30 miles southeast of Boulder, nestled in downtown Denver, the historic lower downtown district, the ballpark neighborhood, right here on the corner of Blake and Park. <laughs> it is the Blake Street Tavern. We are live from here. This is the BSN Buff Podcast. Let's go. Hey. It is Will Whalen, Ryan Koningsberg, Jake Shapiro. We're talking all the Buffs news, a lot of recruiting news this week. And uh, uh, how are you guys doing? It's been a while. I'm doing well. I'm kind of recovering from that intro. Good job. Yeah. I got paid to be on a golf course today, so my life is quite all right. And, uh, I mean, Buffs news has been hot recently, and look forward to chatting it up with you guys a little bit. It feels like, feels like it's been more than a week since our last podcast. Well, it's because we were recording so early, but they don't need to know that. That's one of our production secrets. Yep. Yeah. So we're doing it's, Mondays and yeah. today's right. a Wednesday, right? Right. Yeah. So it actually is going to be on schedule. Anyways, we Just got... Try not to piss off anybody on social media this show. <laughs> That's going to be hard. I think we should try to piss off more people on social media. Fair enough. Anyways, we got to talk about recruiting this week. We'll get into that first, but... Uh, NBA stuff, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie traded, Josh Scott draft status, all of that and more coming up on the BSN Buffs podcast. But first, the Colorado Buffaloes landed themselves a three-star quarterback. His name, Tyler Lytle from Anaheim, California. He is a six-foot-five, 205-pound three-star quarterback, according to rivals in 24/7, uh, pro-style passer. Huge news for the Buffs. Yes, this is not a Lytle pickup. This is a big pickup. Not a what? A Lytle. It's not a Lytle pickup. <laughs> you know, we're shutting down the know. podcast. We're going <laughs> home. We'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in. No, it's, it's interesting because there is a ton of hype around this quarterback commitment. There's a, there's a ton of excitement. You knew that Lytle was one of the staff's top picks on the board. They've been recruiting him for a while now. I mean... We were just talking about his offer list and going through the names. You're talking about Arizona State, Miami, Cal, you know. Yale. The mighty Yale Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Um, This is not not an offer list that is minimal uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, according to most scouting websites, this is still a three-star prospect. This is not the blue chip necessarily that – Colorado fans have been kind of pissed off about not getting in so long. Um, And this is a case where I think you have to look at more than just the stars next to a guy's name. And and a lot of, and there's a section of fans and every fan base that'll say, well, that's just a cop out. But I think offers mean a ton, especially when you're coming out of a, a program like Servite in Southern California. That is, one of that, that's one of the best programs in the country. Those guys are not lacking for exposure whatsoever. They've been serving up talent for years. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> you know, and so if, if if that was a three if he was a what is he, a five point six three star on rivals, I believe. Uh, yeah, he's a five point six three star. And for those who don't know, it, 5.7 is the highest a three-star can be rated. You get to a 5.8 and you're a five or a four-star. If he was a 5.6 three-star from this school that I'm not <laughs> repeating the name of ever again now, and his best offer was Colorado, and he had Fresno State, Colorado State, Yale, 
Maine, <laughs> Wyoming. Wyoming. People would not. People would be pissed off. Yeah. And this is a sign of. I think people watch the film. I've been watching the film all day, and I see a guy that is is kind of on that borderline, in my opinion, of what looks like. You know, one of the lower-end four-stars and one of the higher-end three-stars. And obviously, his offer list reflects that. So it's been interesting to see the feedback from people, how excited folks are uh, about this commitment, given the fact that he's still not necessarily a, a blue-chip quarterback across the board. It's been it's been kind of interesting just from that perspective. Yeah, I base um, everything off of social media in my life and uh... – <laughs> I always judge how excited people are about how many retweets our article about them gets on social media, and the Tyler Lytle uh, got a lot. Um, wasn't quite Jalen Jackson, which he got over 100 retweets, but I mean, there's excitement around all things Colorado recruiting right now, and truly that's a beautiful thing for me to see, because I've seen years go by now where no one cares. I mean, the average fan could not give two things about who they're bringing in. You know, they don't want, they don't care about Malcolm Creer or whoever it may be. No. Uh, it, it's no, no one was getting excited over anything, and now it seems everyone's getting excited over everything. And there's kind of a positive light being painted on all things CU recruiting. You know, even if a guy um, isn't as highly rated as you know fans usually want. People are still putting a positive spin on it. And I think it's great to see um, with Lytle, you know, you got to get a quarterback commit early in the cycle. And I know people, I saw many people in my mentions, in the BSN Buffs mentions, people are still um, shell-shocked, I guess you would say, from the two transfers they lost this summer. And, and people are a little bit worried. Quarterback commits out of high school are a lot more are a lot less likely to end up changing their mind. They they like to lock down their spot early in the cycle. Um, you kind of build the class around them, and it's not one of those things where you're like, we have to make sure we hold on to them until signing day. Now, of course, you have the Munchy Legos of the world, the Tate Martells, right? Who well, Tate right. Martells on his third commitment, right? But I mean, it's still very early in the cycle. Right, a guy like Munchy decommitted from the Buffs on signing day, yeah. and, and that you know broke many people's hearts. Including my own, because he was dope. Greatest uh, name ever. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, dreads and the works. Uh, but you rarely see that. You usually see these guys make their commitment right. early in the cycle and stick with it. Because because people connected to them in their circles, as you said, are telling them that you need to lock down your spot right. as a quarterback. And and Ryan, you touched on the, mo- the momentum that there f- seems to be around Colorado recruiting right now. And not every guy is a four-star, you know, not every guy is. And, and unless you're a handful of schools, the reality is the majority of the guys you sign will be non-four-stars, non-five-stars. Uh, it's about supplementing highly regarded talent with really good depth. And that's what I think Colorado's been able to do this cycle. But they landed a commitment from Lytle last night, or uh, Tuesday night, um, we are recording this on a Wednesday, so Tuesday night and Even Wednesday. Out all the secrets, Will. I know. Wednesday morning, Colorado got another commitment, and this time it was from Chris Miller. He's a three-star cornerback uh, out of Denton, Texas, which is just north of Dallas. Uh, another really good high school program, 
And he noted in one of the reasons, one of the reasons why he wanted to commit is he saw the excitement around Lionel's commitment to see you. He said he could feel momentum. These were all quotes he gave to Adam Monster Tiger to Buff Stampede. Duff, buffstampede.com. He could feel the momentum around the program and he wanted to be a part of it. And you talk about how fun it is to see that from a media standpoint because people are pissed off all the time and it's kind of fun to cover that. But think about it, if you're a 17 year old, if you're an 18 year old and you see the, what are you doing? I was on Scout looking at his recruiting profile. Volume, volume tool, bro. Okay, Volume sorry. two, bro. Sorry, sorry. sorry. I, was in, I was in the middle of saying something really cool, man. It wasn't that cool, actually. It was pretty lame. Um, so if, you're if welcome, you're, then. Yeah, yeah. If you're a 17-year-old and you see all the excitement around somebody like you who just committed to a school, there, there's a part of you that's going to be like, damn, like I, I want all those retweets. I want those edits. I want those like mentions. I want all of that. And if you don't, and if you can get it, like, might as well. You know, I, I gotta ask Ryan on this one. If I didn't get a hundred retweets when I committed to a school and I was at least a three star, I'd probably decommit within the hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ryan's the same way. Seriously, and you talked about his high school. You know, uh, they've been putting the dent in the in the Stop talent it. pool for years. <laughs> Go away! You're gonna be not invited next week. I'm hot right now. But seriously, I mean, these are these are. These and, are guys from really good high school programs that are generating a lot of hype, not just within the families, but around each other and other recruits. These guys talk all the time. Oh, yeah. Right, and, and Lytle told Scout that the program is right for a turnaround and that he thinks that CU has a chance to be one of the best classes in the Pac-12 this year. And you look at the guys they got just the last week and a half with Fontenot as well. Like, these are some legitimate commits that would be at the top of last year's class, and they're getting them so early into this year's cycle that you have to think that there's some potential there for them to really land one of the elite guys across uh, in the country. Well, one of the things that I would just – I'm just throwing this out for CU fans now so that they they won't remember this come signing day, but they, they need to. Jalen Jackson's not going to be a four-star rated wide receiver when he signs with Colorado. And it's not because of the CU bump. I mean, people people get their arms twisted over the fact that they think when a recruit uh, commits to CU, their stars get lowered. No, it's wide receivers with two ACL tears in high school. That, like, injury concerns factor into the way you project a prospect. And how do you, like, if you're talking, if you're a scout and you're looking at how what kind of impact this guy is going to have at the college level, he's come back from one ACL, but coming back from a second one, that's a tall task. And the reality is, is this really good wide receiver class, and it's really good. It's one of the best in the country. It's not going to have the same star-studded nature come signing day just because of the reality uh, of scouting and ranking and injuries. But you're right, Jake. I, I think that they do have a chance to kind of break through. And you see the amount of times they're mentioned around guys. Uh, Four-star, five-star guys, and... I'm curious as to your guys' opinion. And, and Jake, you don't offer a lot of opinions on the show. You're kind of the moderator. And, and I'm seriously interested in yours, especially because you're, you haven't been around the program as long as Ryan and I have. What, do you, what is the single biggest factor in getting these guys, these kinds of players, these kinds of prospects, all of a sudden to mention see you in their top five or top six or top seven? Because these guys are top 100 national prospects and they're mentioning CU along the likes of Florida the 
they're, they're landing guys. Alabama, Ohio State. Right, they're landing guys mm-hmm. that have offers. What's your opinion as to what changed so quickly from last year to this year? I think there's a certain aspect of CU needs to get their name out there. You, we, we often talk about this. When you say you went to CU and you're in California, people go, who, where, who, what the hell is that? And before I moved to Boulder when I was a kid, I didn't know about the University of Colorado. And I'm in the same age group as these guys. If you're a kid coming out of Anaheim or, or Austin, Texas or something like that, you're going, I want to go to Texas, play the Longhorns, I want to go to USC, I want to go to UCLA, I want to go to Stanford or something like that. I just don't think they know about Colorado. And really, Colorado has never done themselves a favor in the last five, ten years by not winning many football games. Now, when you have all of a sudden these coaches that maybe they've run into at another program you know, from the last five years come knocking on their door and go, hey, I got to tell you about this place, Boulder. And then they see a picture of Boulder. It's like, all right, well, maybe I'll give it a chance. And then they realize, okay, well, they got that facilities. You know, I could, I could play there. They, they got the school, the, the, the academics. I could do that. And, you know, it's a great place. I, I, I could do that. You know, I think a switch kind of goes off in their mind where it's like, you know what, I haven't even really considered this place. And maybe I should give them a chance. And I think that's such a huge thing because the more guys that give CU a chance, the more guys that will end up committing. But I don't think there's been a lot of guys that have given Colorado a chance in the last five to ten years. So what? So out of all those things you mentioned, what's the you, you think the single biggest thing is just the fact of maybe like like you said, coaches that they've seen in other places. Is it, is it Coach Chev? Is it is it just social media presence? I mean, what's that single pinpoint? factor that is different now than it has been that's the biggest reason I think it's hard to pinpoint one thing and and that's an easy way out of it but you look at the social media thing and that's such a big thing for people my age but you also look at like I know more about Levitt at uh in Florida when he when he did great things in Florida than I knew about Colorado football when I moved to Colorado like so the people in my age demographic they have to have some association to winning football and I remember Texas Tech being good. I remember Levitt's teams at Florida being good. You mean but South, 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 South Florida? Yes. I didn't. I, I kept wanting to say South <laughs> Florida, but I always get Central and South Florida confused. That's so. Anyways, but but I don't ever remember Boulder being good at football. University of Colorado Boulder. So I think there has to be a certain aspect of oh my God, you know, this place that actually could be right for me and it could be beautiful and it could be great, but. I think overall, those guys spend so much time in the athletic facilities that the facilities have to be the number one because you look at the last you know, three years alone, as soon as that facility got up and got built and got finished, boom, recruiting, huge uptick, huge uptick. It, it hasn't even been close if you look at three years ago to now. And you know there has been some changes in the staff and the way they do things, but the number one change has been that facility and the fact that that's going to be their home when they come to Colorado. It, it's certainly the facilities. I mean, when you're trying to point to one thing, to me, that's what it is. Um, but also, Colorado right now just seems like a real program. They're running themselves like a real program. Their social media presence is like a real program. Their fans are acting like real fans on Twitter. Uh, everything is coming together to make Colorado seem legit. I, I always talk about this. I tell this to Jake. Fake it till you make it. Like... They haven't won shit in years. It's true. Just make yourselves look big. Act like you're a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, put tweet like you're a big deal. Everything. Pretty sure that's how Oregon football became a legitimate program. They just started acting like they were a big program. I mean, it, it had something to do with that. 
Uh, Phil Knight, you know, dipping into his pocket and flooding money into it helped too. But that's everything is all to me about perception. Perception is reality. I say it all the time. It's if you can just make these kids think that you're legit. That's all that really matters. You know, especially kids in Florida, Georgia. They don't have the kids at their school joking about how CU sucks every weekend like kids in Colorado do. You can kind of get into their minds and manipulate their idea of what Colorado is by the way everyone's acting, by tweeting out the picture of the, the incredible facilities. They see that and they're like, oh, that's legit. They, you know, they see Chev tweeting out really cool videos and all that sort of thing. They're like, oh, this is legit. You know, Colorado is acting like a legit program. They're putting legit money into the program. And so now people are starting to believe they're a legit program. Yeah, I think I'm glad you mentioned the fake to you make it thing because I got into a discussion earlier today with uh, BSN Rams writer Rich Kurtzman, and he covers Colorado State. And he made a, he made a comment um, that said essentially uh, – I'm talking about a championship. I'm getting ready to feel the heat, Will. No, I mean – no. I, I Bring it. It's not heat. He, he basically made a statement that I think is, is ridiculous for anybody to make, anybody, um, in the media at all. But he, he said, Mike, he tweeted out, head coach Mike Bowell sends a letter to fans asking him to become season ticket holders, says CSU Rams building a championship culture, in quotes. And, and Kurtzman went on to say, and without a doubt, they are. This program is certainly on the rise. And I can just see Will's eyes rolling out of his head. And and the thing is, is again, it wasn't it was Kurtzman who you know said that they're building a championship culture originally. It's coach speak. Coaches are supposed to say that kind of thing, and I get it. But as a as a kind of as a media member, you have to you have to be able to see through coach speak. Yep. You know what I mean? Because here's the reality: nobody in Colorado is building a championship culture. Colorado State has improved as a program so much since Fairchild was there. And they deserve a lot of credit. The administration made football a priority. They made the big window that people have into their university, which is football, a priority. And they've improved a lot. They made the right coaching hires. They're investing. Into, they made a bold move to get an on-campus stadium, and they're doing it. And Colorado should be commended for the same because they decided we're done looking like third-world you know, asshats with our facilities and the way that we run everything with regards to athletic department stuff, we're going to step it up and become a real program, as you said. Um, but the reality is, champ- a quote-unquote championship culture is a fallacy. There's no such thing as championship culture. There's no such thing as building championship culture. Championship culture manifests itself. Right, like, the, you know what championship culture is? People who win championships right. and whatever they're doing. And it looks different at every program, at every level of every sport. So, I understand that CSU is kind of right now, they're faking it till they make it. Yeah, we deserve to be in the Big 12. We deserve to go to a Power 5. We deserve to be in the conversation for the college football playoff. We deserve to have all of these things. We deserve to be called Big Brother. Word. I respect that. I understand where it comes from. Because as a program, you're like, faking it till you make it. And Colorado is finally kind of stepping up into that realm. But the reality, but at the end of the day, I mean, all this is great. And the, the reason why I ask the question is this, because you can fake it till you make it all you want. You can talk about championships. You can retweet stuff all you want. And that's great for building hype. That's great for faking it until you make it. But 
the reason why I can't say facilities are number one because facilities build interest. Facilities might get the guys to retweet a picture, but you know what gets them to the school? Well, wins. Sure, <laughs> as well. But the reason why I think the, the single biggest reason for this turnaround, I point to the day that Jim Levin was hired. That's the biggest turnaround because how do you get the how do you start the interest and how do you close the interest and make it a, a signed national letter of intent? You have the coaches to do it. Wins help, facilities help. I look at the day Jim Levin was hired as the start of everything we're seeing now, and the great week that they've had. None of it happens without his hiring and the change that happened in Boulder once that happened. I, I mean, there's lots you can point to. I I would maybe even point all the way back to the hiring of Rick George. Yeah, because yeah. that's why those facilities are there. That's why there's the focus on football. That's why Mike McIntyre had the pool to be able to hire a guy like Jim Lewis. Yes. I got to go back to Fred Folsom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, Set the next couple plays out. But uh, speaking of changes, yes. unless something drastically changes in the next 12 hours or so, it does not look like Josh Scott will be drafted. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Josh Scott's draft status after this commercial break. Preferred Organic Therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. With over 30 strains to choose from, we offer elite cannabis that is grown clean with zero harmful pesticides and always hand-trimmed. Nobody gives you the variety that Preferred Organic Therapy does. Our knowledgeable staff will guide you through your shopping experience and ensure you make a well-informed decision. Stop by today for daily specials and to see why customers are raving about Preferred Organic Therapy. Conveniently located at 1569 South Colorado Boulevard, mention BSN Denver and instantly save 15%. Preferred Organic Therapy, a better way to heal. Hi, I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course, and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tee time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. 
Don't miss the Yamaha Get Out and Ride sales event at Coyote Motorsports. With low APRs, huge customer cash, and more on Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. From championship Yamaha sport bikes and YZs to sport ATVs and side-by-sides and Grizzly, Viking, and Wolverine models. So see Coyote Motorsports today for huge Get Out and Ride savings. Offers good 216 through 63016 on select Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. See Coyote Motorsports for details. Welcome back into the BSN Bus Podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. And if you're heading down to the ballpark this summer from southern Denver around the Tech Center, stop off by the Lincoln Light Rail Station, get your pregame on, a perfect place to stop off, uh, have a few drinks, have a quick bite, and then head to the Rockies game. Sounds like a good night to me. And, you know, after the game, come over to the Blake Street Tavern. You know, that's your perfect night right there. That is, that is a, a full night in the world of a sports fan. Speaking of sports and fans and what we will be doing tomorrow night, Josh Scott, well, tonight, according to this podcast, but tonight, uh, Josh Scott might be drafted. Uh, I say might because it's looking improbable at this point, but Josh is certainly probably going to get a chance in the NBA. Uh, I'll have Will kind of map out what the road is going to look like for Josh Scott the next month or two. But it's not an easy road for undrafted players in the NBA, although they do get chances. Yeah, I mean, the first thing to make clear is like, Josh Scott isn't getting drafted on Thursday night. In the NBA draft, Josh Scott will not be selected. Um, the reasons for that are we, are we, have, we have discussed for four years, uh, and they are what they are. Whether we agree with them or not, they are what they are. Um, he's not in any mock draft. Uh, he's not rated amongst the top 100 prospects in the draft, according to DraftExpress.com, which is basically as good as it gets. <clears throat> and only uh, 60 guys get drafted. Yeah, when it comes to NBA draft coverage, nobody does it better. So, he, he, except he's, for BSNNuggets.com. Do, do they cover <laughs> the draft odds for Boston Celtics as well? <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I mean, for the Nuggets, yeah. I mean, I won't. You know. I'm just kidding. Anyways. Um, so. Harrison does really do a great job. Um, so what? what's the next step? You know what I mean? Um, what do you do once you realize that your NBA dream of hearing your name called has gone to hell? Um, you hope for a summer league invite. Now, this is a lot like rookie camp. This is a lot like off-season uh, camp invites for undrafted rookies. <clears throat> you know, they sign briefly with a team uh, and, and they go through that whole process. But these guys, I mean, those guys get a legit shot. Right. Having been down at Dove Valley for minicamp and stuff, I mean, these guys are in there. Yeah. Getting, I mean, it's not they're standing on the side watching. Not these at guys all. are getting their shot to prove that they can play. And that's what makes this especially so difficult for hoops prospects because, number one, Think about the size of an NFL roster. The amount of spots that you can carve for yourself. 53 men. Think about the size of an NBA roster. Right. Um, and Is it 15? 
officially it's 15 it's 15 but you're only allowed to yes, dress 12 exactly maybe third i think you're allowed to dress 13 now actually okay it changed this year i believe right and then you look at summer look not only are you inviting the number the number one pick might get invited to summer league might not he will but well he'll he'll be invited but it's about whether they'll actually play, play. that's what i should, that's what i meant um, you you obviously have guys that are just just drafted. You have guys that were drafted a couple of years ago. Like Spencer might be in summer league this year. Right, right. Good you chance. Have, yeah. You have guys coming back uh, for their second, third, fourth summer league. You have former pros. You have European guys that are being invited in the summer league. So the spots for undrafted NBA players, it, it's not as much of a given as as many people think. You know, with a player of Josh Scott's caliber. A lot of people will be like, oh, well, even if he's not drafted, I'll get an invite because that's what happens. Look at Nelson Spruce. Well, that's just not – it's just not that easy, you know. Um, I would hope he gets an invite. But so what happens if, if he doesn't? Well, at that point, at that point, you're really looking at Europe. You're looking at China. You're looking at Australia. Uh, those are the places that – Czech Republic. Iraq. Which is in Europe. Oh, did you say Europe? I thought you yeah, said yeah, yeah. that. So Europe, Iraq. Yeah, like uh, what's his name from Marshall Henderson went and played Iraq last year. Right. Well, that should tell you a lot there. about both parties. Yes. <laughs> um, Israel. Right. So go play for David Black. Yeah. No, absolutely. Israel's got one of the best leagues. Yeah. Colin Brown enjoyed a really successful run in Israel. So there are there are a lot of options, and at that point. Landing a foreign gig in terms of playing professional basketball really depends on who your agent is because agents have different connections all over the world, some more tied to one league than, than another. So that's really how that works. But you'd have to think Tad Boyle, and Tad Boyle has said as much, is that he's helped Josh as much as he's ever needed to and that Josh has asked him a couple times for help. Uh, you'd have to think that being connected to Tad Boyle gives Josh more options because Tad Boyle has gotten a few guys overseas. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think it helps any more than it helps anybody else to be working with their own college coach. You know, I mean, if you, say Josh had played at Boise State, you, you could pretty much guarantee that he'd have a contract in Australia waiting for him if he wanted it. You know, at St. Mary's, for sure. You know, there, there are certain coaches that are more connected than others, for sure. Uh, but... Who your agent is as is as important as anything uh, at this stage, and you know, I mean, so it's not a there. There was a lot of discussion about this regarding Melo Trimble in Maryland. Uh, for those who don't know, was a freshman All American his freshman year, um, chose to return for his sophomore year, had a really all things considered disappointing follow up campaign uh, to a great freshman year, and. You know, he goes to the NBA Combine and it looks terrible, and, and people are wondering, well, what's wrong with him? And, you know, the, the discussion started to turn to, well, you know, guys, there's nothing wrong with being a great college player and that being your legacy. You know, you look at the successes, and we've talked about this before in the show, you look at the successes of Corey Higgins, look at the success of Carlin Brown, Austin Duvall, guys that are uh, Sabatino Chen playing in Asia. You know, these guys have created a, a livelihood for themselves without the legacy. Their legacy is what they did in college. That's probably what it will be like for Josh Scott. We'll remember him as one of the best big men I've ever seen in college basketball over a four-year career. I was just looking at a picture of him from his freshman year. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, 
it's you know it's Josh, but you almost think it's like more he's probably just related than anything. Yeah, I mean looking at a picture of him of him next to Dom, Josh Adams, Corey Calvert. I mean th- it's incredible the transformation he's gone under. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where he lands. I think someone like him could thrive in. I mean, I was watching. I was watching those finals that Corey Higgins was playing in. He could thrive in the Euro League because he can step outside. He can hit outside shots. He can run the floor. You don't need to be explosively athletic there. You need to be really skilled, and that's what he is. His game is suited for that. The NBA, you know, for better or worse, just might not have a spot for him this year. And. I feel like people need to come to terms with the fact that playing in Europe is a good gig. Yeah. Like, you can get paid good money. I mean, Josh Scott is going to play basketball for a living. And that's a good, that's a cool thing. You know, not everyone gets that opportunity. Of course, you'd love to see him get it in the NBA. Um, a lot of dominoes are going to have to fall his way. He's going to have to have some, some amazing workouts, performances this summer. And, and I wouldn't put it past him. But... It's going to be a very, very tough road for Josh. And, and that's okay. Because even if he ends up going overseas, and I don't know if he prefer the D-League to overseas. A lot of guys are different. I talked to a lot of guys uh, leading up to the TBT last year who everyone had different feelings on it. You know, Marcus Hall was in the D-League, and he was like, yeah, I mean, I make more money overseas, but I love America. I like being here. I like being here with my family. You know, it's something we're used to. Every guy's different. But, you know, I think, like you said, there's nothing wrong with having a legacy of being a great college player who went over and made some good money overseas. But it seems like with Josh that he does have those NBA hopes and he's so tied to them that, you know, there is a chance I think he does end up in the D-League and he, he does that to continue to get NBA looks and yeah. at the hopes that some team has four big men or five big men and one of them goes down and, you know, they look down to their farm team and go, hey, this guy can play. I mean, it's... I'm not going to rip on anybody for taking their own path for what they're excited about and what they're passionate about. But, God, I really hope he doesn't go to the D-League. Because, look, I mean, being in the D-League is a lot like being in, like, the MAC or the old Big 12. 95% of the destinations are going to suck. Mm-hmm. You're in Sioux City. You're in Bakersfield. It's a truck stop league. Yeah, you know, and, and the pay isn't very good. Transportation isn't great, you know, and... and what did uh, Spencer say about the women? They're le- the women are less wholesome yeah. in the D-League. <laughs> so, of course, that's that's the most Spencer quote. You can see him at the Chicago Sky game the other day. Yeah. yeah. Spencer. So, I mean... He's in there I, for a reason. It's like, what, what if you got, as you were saying, what if you got to go play in Spain? You know, what if you got to go live in Barcelona? You know... Again, Americans have this really lowly thought of foreign basketball because what's the American sport? It's football, and nobody doesn't like America. You know, you look well, at the leagues that you play abroad, and they're really bad. They're think really of, I mean, bad. let's think of how people in England look at the MLS. That's the exact thing that I was going for, is, you know, the reality is the NBA is like the Premier League, La Liga, Syria and Bundesliga put into one. All the top teams from those put into one. You know, and, and that's kind of how it is. But there are still really good leagues all over the world. You think about 
you know, the leagues that are leagues in Mexico, leagues in Brazil. You know, these are still really good leagues, and we don't associate basketball in those terms yet. I think we will soon, uh, and it'll be for the best because there's a lot of great basketball played all over the world. You look, I mean, I think we might have, we're probably going to have anywhere between six and eight foreign players taken in the first round this year. Sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less. It's a they're gonna get, we're going to get to a point where, and I, this is coming, this is not for this podcast, but there's going to be at least two teams internationally in the NBA, and yes. that's probably within the next 10 years. And <laughs> the Nuggets might put out an entire international starting five yeah. next year. And you're also looking at it, and as many people watch the NBA Finals in China as they did in the United States, if not more. Yeah. And that's why LeBron James goes to China every summer. That's that's why Kobe made it a big point, right? And, and that's why this this is such a huge global game. And I don't think people realize it that it's a lot closer to soccer than it is to football. Who's who's the player he played for the? I think he played for the Hawks. Uh, he went to Stanford. Josh Childress. Yeah, and he chose yeah. to play in Greece uh-huh. over the U.S. for a year because he's like, well, the money is more. I get to live in Europe, like. You know, he was in Greece right before the market crash, too, yeah. and he made bank. So it's like, you think about the opportunity. Yeah, they paid him like a ton of yeah, money. Yeah, they were paying him like fifteen yeah. million. He yeah. is the reason why that country collapsed economically. They gave it all to Josh Childress. <laughs> you know, there yeah. are murals of him with a circle red and a strike through his face <laughs> throughout Athens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, we you hate to beat it, you know, beat the horse after it's dead, but... I hope that he gets an opportunity in Summer League um, for his own sake and for my sake. I hope that he goes abroad because I think he'll have a chance to play higher quality of ball uh, for a lot, with a lot more at stake a lot quicker. For my own sake, I hope he plays for the Nuggets because I want to keep hanging out with him. He's a cool dude. Josh is good people. Um, switching gears, we talked about Spencer a little bit. Let's talk about the mayor a little bit more. He was traded from the Detroit Pistons to the Chicago Bulls for – New Mexico, Lobos, former center. Uh, Cameron Barstow. Tom Cameron Barstow. Uh, gosh, he was trash for my Chicago Bulls last year. Did he start Barstow Sports Network? He did not start the Barstow <laughs> Sports Network. But, you know, as a Bulls fan, I will say before, I will preface this with any of this discussion with, I am just so damn excited that I get to watch Spencer play for a team that I watch consistently again because I, I had a joy watching him in college. Uh, so I, I'm just so happy to see that, and you know, especially with Derrick Rose being one of my favorite players of all time, and him being moved today or yesterday, according to this podcast, and um, Spencer's going to come in and replace him. It makes me not feel as terrible about Derrick Rose leaving Chicago. And I, I know people are like, "Well, Derrick Rose is trash now," but you have to understand this kid from Chicago. He won an MVP in Chicago, and he, he made the Bulls relevant, and they were so irrelevant after Michael Jordan. So. That's kind of how I preface this with Spencer, but Will, Ryan, I know for a fact that Spencer will get a chance because Aaron Brooks is the only point guard in front of him. The Bulls are still shopping Jimmy Butler a little bit. Uh, So really, you look at their roster, and Spencer is one of the only guards on that roster right now. Actually, after today, they now have four point guards. Jose Calderon, who they may waive. But nonetheless, Jose Calderon's on that They picked him up from New York in that trade. with their. And they picked up Jerry and Grant. Who's also a point guard. So now all of a sudden... Why do I know that name? Uh, he went to Notre Dame and had one of the greatest dogs. Oh, yeah, 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 He was fantastic He was part of that team that almost, almost beat, beat Kentucky. Kentucky. Yep. And that's the thing is, <clears throat> you know, a couple hours ago, you know, last night, this looked like a great opportunity for Spencer because it's like, well, De- you know, Derek gets injured all the time. 
Aaron Brooks is thrust into a starting role, all of a sudden Spencer is the heir apparent to the backup. He's going to get a lot of minutes. I mean, Mike James was playing 15 minutes a game right. for the Bulls uh, three years ago. And then all of a sudden after today, yeah, you ship out that starter, but you bring in two more point guards. Spencer's going to have, he's gonna have to compete. He's going to have to compete, number one. I, I, I saw a lot. This was something that I was looking at on Twitter all day today. Um, and a lot of people were talking about around Bulls Twitter, uh, which is exciting. I got to get into another NBA Bulls Twitter is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, a lot of people felt like Jose Calderon had a pretty good chance of being waived. Um, just to get, you know, he's seven and, wow, seven and a half million. Yeah. What is Bull, you wonder why the Knicks suck. I mean, seven and a half million for Jose Calderon. They wouldn't give that money to, uh, what's his name, that went to the Raptors, and then instead they give it to Jose Calderon. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, so, a lot of people have been talking about them waving Calderon. So really then, you're looking at Aaron Brooks, and you're looking at Jerry and Grant. Now, Jerry and Grant and Spencer Dinwiddie are the same age. Um, Were they but, in the same class? No. Yes. Spencer was one year earlier, I think. If he uh, played the, against the Kentucky. Kentucky year was the... Grant yes, might have come last, out a year earlier, I think. No, a year later. A year later? Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Basically, they're the same. They're the same age. Uh, they're both twenty-three. You have to think that with the money that, with the kind of I, the rookie season for Jerry and Grant wasn't great, but he showed a lot of flashes. I do think that he would get a nod probably before Spencer. But the Aaron Brooks situation is really interesting because if somehow Spencer can get into that number two spot, he's in a spot to. To get a lot of minutes. 20 minutes a game. You know, he's in a spot to play with, you know, depending if they hang on to Jimmy Butler, depending on uh, what happens with Joakim Noah. He's gone. Okay. Bobby Portis, how was he last year? He was pretty solid. I I grew on Bobby. The the second half of last year, he became a very solid player. Wasn't there like a whole free Bobby Portis movement? Right, because Bobby Portis was, yeah, and... Uh, Fred Hoiberg wasn't playing. And then Doug McDermott actually had a pretty solid year last yeah. year. Taj Gibson is no slouch. Uh, I think you really have to consider him. And speaking of Doug McDermott, it's going to be another interesting storyline for Spencer. You, you remember how highly Doug McDermott yep. spoke of I Spencer when that. they played together uh, with USA Basketball. And Fred Hoiberg was in college. He, he, I'm sure, knew of Spencer Dinwiddie. And when you have a player that kind of started to break out for you, have that positive experience with the player, he's at least going to get a slightly longer look than maybe he would otherwise. So I think he's in a he's a he's in a better spot than he was in Detroit. Detroit had clearly moved on from him. Mm-hmm. I mean he I mean in the story that I wrote about him getting traded, played like 150 minutes last season. I mean that's they de leagued him. He showed he played t- 13 NBA games last year. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain I mean, point, it's, it's time it's, to cut, you know. Clearly, he's a be- in a better spot. And even if the Bulls decide to cut him, which is a possibility because he uh, his contract is not guaranteed, so they, they can cut him. Even if that happens, I think he'll get another shot. And, that time uh, he'll, and then he'll get a pick. Right. So I, I do think that Spence, Spencer is in a way better opportunity now than what he was in Detroit because he would have just been sitting on that Detroit yeah. bench for another year. So this all of a sudden opened it up back for Spencer, whether or not they're the not Bulls gonna, do keep him. I think the Bulls will keep him. Um, I think, you know, even if they have three guards on, on the roster, Spencer can play off the ball. I mean, you can... 
you can experiment there. And all their guys at the two guard are really two, three guards. Because you look at Tony Snell, you look at Jimmy Butler. Both of those guys can play a little bit bigger. Bobby Portis plays bigger. So they, they do run a little bit of the two point guard lineup from time yeah. to time. Yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting to see. I, I think he, it's a, Spencer hasn't proven himself consistently on the NBA level yet. It's the, it is an uphill climb for him to make this team and for him to play, but he's certainly capable of doing it. We've seen him have flashes. He's got to knock down shots. Yep. That's the thing. That is the worst. That is the biggest thing that he struggled with in the NBA is that he has not knocked down shots. And you cannot be a guard in the NBA now and not be able to hit from, I mean, unless you're Russell Westbrook, you can't be a poor shooter from the outside. And he has not shown to be anything other than a poor shooter at the NBA level yet. And that's weird because I always looked at his stroke and thought, you know, the more he, more and more and more he works on that, it's going to become a knockdown shot. And it's and it's almost gone the opposite way. Yep. Which is interesting. I mean, but I just don't think he's had a chance to get into a, a rhythm and a flow with the NBA game. You but know, that, that's that's you know, and and you're right. But that's the NBA. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got it. You you don't get much of a shot at times if you're not a first round pick. If you're not a lottery pick, sometimes you have to grab it right away. And if it doesn't happen, you know, you look at a guy like Andre Robertson. At Oklahoma City, he grabbed his spot, and he was lucky to play for a coach who valued in Scott Brooks, who valued what he did, and he was lucky to land in a perfect spot with OKC and what they needed. But he grabbed that spot. Speaking of Andre, I mean, this just kind of comes to me, but Kevin Durant's impending free agency. There's a chance that he can go somewhere this just else. Just kind of comes to you. Will, Will said this in the production meeting, more podcast secrets, but that was such a good transition. It was, uh, it was. Kevin Durant's impending free agency, you know, he's thinking about Golden State, Washington, the, every team in the NBA obviously wants a guy like Kevin Durant, yeah. but, you know, there's still a great chance that he stays in Oklahoma City. What kind of effect would Kevin Durant switching teams have on Andre Roberson? It would be humongous. And here's why. Andre is not a guy who can play on every team in the NBA. The amount that he played for Oklahoma City. Because you, all you have to do is look at the makeup of Oklahoma City's roster. Number one, you have Kevin Durant, probably the third, maybe fourth best player in the NBA. Then you have Russell Westbrook, also a top five player in the NBA. And you have two guys that dominate the ball. Like, probably 90% of things happening for Oklahoma City are happening when they have the ball, okay? When you take those two guys out of the equation, or when you put them in the equation, you don't need a tremendous amount from anyone else on the floor in terms of ball-in-hand production. What you do need is guys that can spot up and shoot, guys that can defend, and guys that can rebound. Steven Adams... The perfect fit with this team. I love Steven Adams. Serge Ibaka has seen himself thrust into a different role than he was before because he was able to extend his range out to three-point land. Uh, you look at a guy like, uh, what's his name from the Cavs? Uh, Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters, yeah. Has kind of found that third ball-in-hand score role uh, when those guys are on the bench. So... Andre was in a perfect spot where there was no pressure on him to do anything offensively. He could just kind of sit in the corner, cut back door for a dunk every once in a while, go get a rebound, and lock up Clay Thompson. 
That is an awesome role to play in the NBA. That is an awesome, awesome role to play. If Kevin Durant leaves, all of a sudden you are going to be thrust into a position where you're replacing him. <clears throat> maybe you're replacing with Deion Waiters. Maybe you go after another free agent. But whatever it is, you're trying to replace a ball-heavy scorer again. and Or you're going to replace him with somebody who's not a ball-heavy scorer, but it's a score nonetheless. And you have to play more five-on-five offense. Andre can't play in that kind of system right now. Maybe he'll develop. His three-point shooting has improved every year he's been in the NBA. But right now, he's not built for that kind of team. And until he is, this free agency of Kevin Durant is a significant, significant factor in Andre's future in the NBA. Speaking of the future, in the near future after this commercial break, we're going to come back with more Buffs Talk, so stay tuned. That was an epic game. I can really relax now. Let's go to a dispensary. Yeah, that's a great idea, but it's after 7, so all the dispensaries in Denver are closed. Wait. Life Flower on Leedsdale serves both medical and recreational until midnight daily. Best of all, they're a one-stop shop. They have a huge variety of edibles, drinks, concentrates, flour, and they even have glass in case we need a pipe. Oh, cool. Let's go. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your entire purchase. Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. If you or somebody you know has been in any type of accident, call Flesh Law. You do not want to face the insurance company alone. If you're not sure what to do, Flesh Law offers free consultation and will meet with you for as long as you need. And if you do decide to file, Flesh Law will have your litigation started immediately so that they can get your case resolved quickly. Call Flesh Law at 303-806-8886 or Google Flesh Law. That's 303-806-8886 for Flesh Law. Hi, this is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Bezo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high-wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chip's Roofing, Colorado's high-wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. 
Jackson's Hole opened up in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching all sporting events. Almost 40 years later, Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. We've upgraded our TVs to 65 and 70 inch HD flat screens. We have amazing food and to top it all off, we have almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps that you can control at your own table. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off of Arapahoe and I-25. Jackson's, the original sports grill. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast, we're going to talk about the non-conference basketball schedule. It was released uh, about a week ago now, and we haven't talked about it yet, but the Buffs finalized the schedule. They're playing in the Legends Classic. We already knew that. They also have Walford, Colorado State, Xavier, Fort Hayes State, Eastern Washington, and Sacramento State at home. You missed BYU. Oh, okay, okay, okay. While they have Portland, BYU, and Air Force on the road. So three road games for the Buffs, two, two uh, neutral site games, and uh, a lot of home games. Very similar to the Tad Boyle schedules we've seen the last few years. And you could see this schedule kind of playing out to be one of those schedules that gets a sneaky good RPI. But looking at it right now, it does not look like this schedule is that hard. I mean, I don't know if I would say it's not that hard. Um, we've, we've kind of talked about this before, but when you look at the guys that they – the teams that they can – afford to lose to and kind of the hype that surrounds because alright let me back up a moment we all expect big things from CU next year this is a, this is maybe Tad Boyle's deepest team a team with as much firepower or more so than any team he's had so far so we expect big things this is a team that uh, John Rothstein of CBS expects to start the season in the top 25 that's the kind of level that we're looking at this team when you have at BYU and hosting Xavier. In a three-day stretch, nonetheless. In a three-day stretch. With a is, travel day. That's, and I know it's just Utah, but still, that's really tough. And Xavier's going to be a top-five team, probably, unless they just fold in the beginning portions of their non-conference schedule. When was the last time the Buffs had a top-five team in Boulder? Well, it was Kansas. We know what happened, but... Anytime you have a top five team on your schedule in the non-conference, do people know that that's a top five team? I don't no. think they do, and that's because sucks. because but, it's but, not Kansas, it's not Texas, it's not dude. People don't associate people that don't guess, follow college basketball religiously don't realize how good Xavier is. That's a whole month into the season, though, so it, it gives time for people to kind of realize how good Xavier is. Yes, but it but, does. but potentially your fourth and fifth games of the year could be against either Notre Dame, Texas, or Northwestern. Or two, well, two of those three. It's a tough schedule. I mean, I like you said, really when you, at first glance, you're like, eh. But it's a tough schedule. It really is. I mean, you can't you can't go 0-2 in Brooklyn. You have, no. to get one of, you have to get one out there. So you're going to have to beat one of Notre Dame, Texas, or Northwestern. And, and the only home game you can really lose that's excusable will be to Xavier, in my opinion. Right. I mean, you can't lose to Colorado State, and all the other ones are garbage. So. Right. Are, are you kind of surprised that there's so few Colorado schools on this list? Because in the past, Tadwell's done a lot of schools that are from Colorado. I'm not necessarily because 
I mean, number one, you look at Northern Colorado, and Tad has always said, first and foremost, he wanted to wait till his players got out of there, and then he was going to leave it up to Coach B.J. Hill uh, about what were they going to do. And you know what happened to B.J. Hill. Um, and with D.U., you have, again, Boyle has too said, soon, too soon. he wants to give Rodney a chance to build that program a little bit. But at the same time, he has said that if playing CU helps him do that, he'll do it. So then the only other two schools that you can play are Air Force and CSU. You play them both. The only major thing missing from this that we've seen recently is Wyoming. And Dad's done and with Tad Wyoming. cut that crap out. Yeah. Because and it's call a, it whatever you want. It's smart. It's just smart. Yeah. It's, is it running? Sure. Yeah. But it's smart running. You should run because you can't beat them. It's smart running. Yeah. You know, sometimes teams just have your number. And Wyoming did everything every single season that it takes to beat Colorado. The only team you can't run from is Colorado State. If, if a similar right. thing were to happen, that's the one that I agree. fans couldn't swallow you running away from. I, I totally agree. And so when you look at the schedule, again, like let's think not worst-case scenario, but a, a, a scenario that wouldn't be outlandish to think about and it's not a good one would be – 0-2 in Brooklyn, because Northwestern's going to be good next season. Yeah. Notre Dame's going to be good. Texas is going to be good. And you're going all the way across. You're, going, you're traveling a lot further than any of these teams. You could lose both of those. You could lose at BYU. You could lose home to Xavier. You can lose at Portland, too. That's, that's I mean. <laughs> they lost there before. Right. That's why I'm saying that. Yeah. I mean, worst comes to worst, it looks like they could. Worst okay, comes to worst. Okay, but four losses is bad. Four losses is, and I'm talking about a scenario that is not that hard to imagine. You could you could easily go into the conference schedule with four losses and no good wins, not a single one. And at that point, you're not just saying, "Well, is this team as good as we thought?" You're talking about fighting for your fighting for your tournament life in a Pac-12 that is going to be stupid good up top. We'll see how the middle and bottom shake out. And it might not get the quite the press that it got this year because they did to. so poorly in the in, in the NCAA tournament. It's not going to. So it just sucks. It just sucks. So you really, I mean, in my opinion, for Colorado to, to have a non-conference schedule that is okay, not too bad, maybe not as great as we thought, you got to get one in Brooklyn. You gotta beat BYU and Xavier, and you gotta beat CSU. So, so you just you two only losses. Have two losses, two losses, and you're like, okay. So the Xavier BYU game because they had either, one either loss coming out of non-con win. last year, right? Uh, yes, yes. Know, like a, yeah, because yes. they were on a Iowa State. They lost the first well, game of the season, State, and then went on an eleven-game win streak. They lost in Vegas. They lost the last game in non-conference season too. Oh, to, uh, SMU. SMU. Yes. Yes. So they had two. So two losses, and you're like, okay, you know, not great, but things could have gotten worse. And they could have been better, because remember, everyone was talking, they had a chance to beat Iowa State, they had a chance to beat SMU, they should have beat SMU. And now I look at this, what would it take for CU to take the next step as a program? For this, to, this is your year, I think you can lose one game. I think if you lose one game, you take the step. Well, you know what game it is? Notre Dame. At BYU. In my opinion, I think at BYU, sure, but you have to consider the fact that if you lose right after you beat Xavier, Kills you lose them. that goodwill, and you don't, 
but, they but, got the, but, but if, and they, here's why if, if they start off and they go into Brooklyn, New York and win that Legends Classic, though, that that's that's something else. I mean, that's I mean, that, I, that's national radar. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. But and I'm not going to say it's not. But I I, I I bring it up like this. 2013, 2014. This is the year Spencer went down. This is the year the CU really had kind of arrived on the national scene. They were in the rankings. They lose their opening game to Baylor. Yeah. And ugly the, game. Ugly, ugly game. game. I was there. It was it was not fun to watch. No. It was poorly played on both sides. Yeah, a terrible game. Um. And they go on a run. They beat a bunch of teams that aren't very good. They finally beat Wyoming. They take care of a good Harvard team. To yeah. be fair. Um, and Spencer then, went off in that second half, too. That was that's awesome. when they went on the road to beat Colorado State, and then they beat Kansas at home. All of a sudden, you are – you have margin of error. You lose two games there against Oklahoma State. It happens. It happens. In Vegas. In Vegas, Marcus Smart, a top-10 team at the time. BYU is not going to be a top-10 team. I don't think it's a good thing for the because taking the next step is nothing but national perception. It's also your only chance at a decent road win. Exactly. Lose on a neutral court to Notre Dame or Texas, nobody really bats an eye. If that's because to take the next step, I think you have to go on the road and get a big win in your only road game of the year of the non-conference, and you get your statement win at home, and they can do it. Will they? We'll see. But that's, in my opinion, what it would take to take the next step. Yeah, you lose in the championship of the Legend Classic. That's the most excusable loss. You run the table on the rest of that schedule. Heads have been turned. And you need to win that game because you need the RPI. You need to win the first game in Brooklyn because you need to get the RPI boost from hopefully facing someone really good in the next round. And frankly, you need to beat Xavier because, as we saw last year, Fans didn't get excited about the team until after they beat Arizona, their signature home win. Well, that was the end of the season. You need to beat Xavier to get people on board before the Pac-12 schedule. Right, and no matter, Oregon was really good, but no one realized how good Oregon was when they beat them. I mean, you were you were like everyone else. You were watching the Broncos game yeah. for the first half. Yeah. And, and, I mean, it's your job, but still, that was everyone else. Yeah. And you're right for Colorado to garner the momentum, forget nationally, but for on their home court at the Coors Event Center... They need to win their home games. Absolutely. They need to win all of their home games. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's going to wrap up the this segment on the BSN Bus Podcast. We're going to be right back. We're going to do a little fun draft thing. We're bringing it back from when RK and D-Bats did the drafts. We're going we're to do something in that vein. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Thirty-five miles west of Vail, nestled in the Rocky Mountains, is Colorado's most beautiful golf course, Gypsum Creek. The creek flows through the course as Colorado wildlife is spotted, along with views of the Red Table Mountains. You can play this spectacular course for as low as $68 for 18 holes, and that even includes the cart. The twilight rate is less than half of that. Book your next tournament, wedding, or special event at gypsumcreekgolf.com. That's gypsumcreekgolf.com. 
Euflora is the Apple store of cannabis. With three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience, Euflora is the only dispensary you need. Euflora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Euflora has to offer, go to eufloracolorado.com. That's eufloracolorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. and Buffs podcast, we are going to do uh, something different. We're going to have a draft, and it's not going to be a draft that all that excites the fans, because we are all going to pick our three worst players we could think of of the last 10 years in Colorado football, uh, or at least the three that it's going to anger the fans the most. So we're going to do this. I'm going to take the first pick. Ryan, Will, are you guys ready? Do we know who's taking the second pick yet? Uh, Hold up two hands. Or pick a number. Pick a number between 1 and 20. 13. No, you can't, no, you can't say, say it out loud. <laughs> it's deciding it's who's radio. second. It's radio. You have to say everything out loud. No. no, you don't. All right, all right. Between 20 and 40. 31. 23. It's 27. Me time. <laughs> okay, between 50 and 100. Okay. Um, 76. 75. 71. Yeah. All right, so you're saying three. No. All right. All right. All right, let's start it off. Here. All right, with the first pick of the draft, Team Shapiro takes Eric Goodman. You're such a dick. Great, great That's pick. That's the obvious pick. one. No matter what happens, you're going to win now. No, nah, I don't know. It's the Trump uh, card. It could, it could go downhill from here. All right. With the second overall pick in the Shitty Buffs draft. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to take Jordan Webb, quarterback transfer, Kansas City. He never played. Oh, Jordan Webb. Jordan yeah. Webb. Oh, yeah. That's, he sucked. <laughs> um, with the third overall pick, I'm going to take offensive lineman Alex Lewis, oh, who spurned Colorado for Nebraska. He is on my list. He's deep. Are, deep are you board. again? We sneaking this? No, no, okay. no. Round table. 
With uh, my first pick of the second round, I am going to take Bernard Jackson. See, I told you he could mess this up. Yeah. Because Bernard Jackson is one of those guys I was talking about in the production. We're like, yeah, he was bad, but fans kind of liked him. Like, I uh, loved him. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's I watched second. him, and he was bad. <laughs> oh, he was bad. <laughs> he was not very good. Okay. Oh, this is tough. Because uh, you've also got to think of who's going to be there next round for your final pick. Right. All right. With my second pick, I would like to take Patrick Mankey. Johnny Mankey. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I think he was trying to play safety, but he was, like, slower than a linebacker. But at the same time, he did have moments where he yeah, was pretty good. Because he's a football player. I mean, <laughs> you know, he knew how to play football. He just, he was, like, the jury was out. He was completely put in the wrong place on the field. Okay. Okay. Um,. I selected an offensive lineman in the first round. Uh, I think it's only fair that I go quarterback in the second round. And I'm not going to go with who you think I'm going to go. <coughs> my second pick, I go Stevie Joe Dorman. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you want to talk about the worst quarterback I've ever seen <laughs> in my life? It was He's Stevie so Joe Dorman. And fans actually started to hate him. At the end of the day. Did they? They did because they're like, he shouldn't be on the team. He's only got an offer. People kind of hated Embry more than anything for it. But yeah, yeah. Stevie Joe is my second pick. Okay. All right. With my th- my third pick, I've taken Eric Goodman and Bernard Jackson. I am going to take Yuri Wright. Hmm. Ooh. That's yeah. a sneaky good pick. Yeah. People were upset about his whole life. life. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. Now... We talked about, in the production meeting, about guys who were terrible, who fans didn't think were that good. Sorry, fans didn't think they were, they were that bad. There's also the guys who were decent, but they didn't quite live up to their billing. So with my final pick, no. I take Daryl Scott. Damn it. That was my third pick. From... Oh, man. Yeah, a lot of donuts on his plate. A lot of them. A lot of them. In terms okay. of, like, donuts, like, he didn't have any rushing yards in the game, and then, like, he also... because he got fat? He ate a lot of donuts. <laughs> Man, that throws a wrench in my board. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I have to regroup on the fly here. Uh, this should show the importance of preparation, folks, because I have none. Um, so, so far, I have taken Stevie Joe Dorman... He's a star. <laughs> I have taken Alex <laughs> Lewis. Um, put 10 seconds on the clock. Man. 10. No, don't put a timer on it. I, I'm torn between like three guys. Um, okay, well then put a timer on it. Nine. <laughs> also, that's what she said. Seven. Oh, ow. Ow. Stop. stop. Not like physically. Stop, I'm okay. stop, stop. <laughs> Five. No, hold on. Give me All right. All right. I should go defensive side of the ball since I've gone offense. Um, this is one of those guys who I don't think was actually as bad <laughs> as people said he was. Because, um, again, like, he, he actually made a play. <laughs> still no, 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 no. I've got my play. Okay. He actually made a play in a huge, huge <laughs> win for CU over Oklahoma. 
but he's also famous, most famous, for getting suspended and for using and possibly showing up to a game under the influence of mushrooms or LSD. I am going with former safety DJ Dykes. Oh, Tyler Ziskin is going to be hyped that you <laughs> was the inspiration. Yeah, I actually put him on my board solely because of Tyler. I was... Uh, Three other guys. Dusty Ebner uh, was a was a runner-up because you can't penalize the walk-ons just because Dan Hawkins played him. <laughs> you know, but like, you kind of can. Like, he was getting end-arounds. Right. Like All that, the time. Like, that was a play in the playbook. Yeah, so I've got uh, Stevie Joe Dorman, Alex Luz, uh, DJ Dykes. You've got Eric Goodman... Bernard, Bernard Jackson, Yuri Wright, and then my alternate was Deshaun Rippey. Oh, Deshaun, not Doug. Yeah. Do people care about Deshaun Rippey? I don't I know. I mean, he, his name comes <coughs> up all the time. Right, that's why. I don't remember my team anymore. I blacked out. <laughs> you are um, Daryl Scott. Jordan Webb. And Patrick Mackey. And Patrick Mackey. Who was one of your alternates? Um, I had Travis Sandersfeld on there. Yo, he was good. Kind of, not really. <laughs> he was good. Just oh, wait, let me like tone that back down. Yeah, no, he was think bad. think about like, the team speed on that team. Yeah. It was so bad. Did you just say he was good? <laughs> and you, like, really. emphasized I it? Said kind you of emphasized it's good. No, kind of not really. I, the reason why it came off as emphasis is because midway through the second letter, I started to realize what I was saying. <laughs> he was um, good for what, I mean, I guess he was okay for what he was working with. Yeah. I mean, um. I had Jared Darden on there. Yep, I had Jared Darden on mine, <laughs> for sure. Um, I had um, I had Cody Hawkins, and then I remembered Stevie Joe Dorman existed. Um, Daryl Scott was definitely one. And D- Dusty Ebner was probably my uh, my ace in the hole. But I feel good about my team. I like it. Well, we'll throw it out to the fans. Uh, put it up on uh, at BSN Buffs on Twitter, and they'll be able to vote on it. Uh, through, we'll put it up for a couple days, and... Go ahead and vote on that. As Should well we give as... them a present if uh, the Eric Goodman team wins? Well, we can't no, say that you're because then you're, yeah. you're right. Actually, they're going to get the present. They're going to get the Eric Goodman present. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. And God, what a present it is! It's the greatest present in history. So stay tuned to bsnbuffs.com <laughs> for that. We've never decided when we're going to show that to you. Folks. We've just decided that we are going to. Well, no, I decided like the second I saw it, I was like, "This is going to be a content piece." But <laughs> uh, we've never decided when. It's always been a toss-up because it's like so good that like, how do you not capitalize on it? Like, how do you just throw it out there? On a- Freaking Wednesday. No, like no, me, that's every, what it has to be thrown out on like a Wednesday at like ten forty-five in the middle of July. No, no, not at all. No, and then people this are just to be gonna like become a, so woke. That, this needs alone, to be that a comment primed. alone might not get you a job somewhere <laughs> in the future. This video is so woke that it could be put to the depths of the this, internet. This video deserves like we should like we just there should be it. like a, a tease on CBS Sports. Sorry, it's a, it's a video. Like, we should buy, like, ad space. There should be a billboard that, like, teases the, the grand opening. I bet you Eric Christensen will help us out. Which is, yeah. and on this subject, because people might think it's related to this, another alternate of mine, but then I realized that fans might secretly love this man because of he not, the fact that he knocked out Eric Goodman once, uh, a famous linebacker out of the state of Utah. Things did not exactly work out well for him at the University of Colorado. Why aren't you going to say his name? Because he's like a criminal, dude. Like, you don't like to give them, like... You know, you d- Airtime? You don't want to, like, pump them up. Like, <laughs> there was another linebacker who I was going to plug, but he wasn't, like, 
in the end a stand-up dude. Right. So that's it for the podcast. Follow along on bsnbuffs.com. Follow us on Twitter at bsnbuffs or on Facebook uh, just searching bsnbuffs. Follow Will Whalen at William underscore Whalen. Follow Ryan Konigsberg at Ryan Konigsberg. Follow me at Chapalicious. Yes, Ryan. And follow uh, BSN Broncos if you're into that sort of thing. What? Just like let me. What did you say to me before the podcast about the Broncos win total and the Buffs win total? I mean, I have. It's not like it's a bad. No, thing. no, this I know. Fact. Just say it. Just I'm just gonna say this is actually correct. Since I've been covering the Broncos, they are only two. And this started in Week Ten of last season. They're only two wins away from eclipsing the amount of wins Colorado football had in the entire time I covered them. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to say goodbye now. Good night. Bye. Bye.